And welcome to Channel KRT, the podcast where it's Christmas! It's Christmas! Christmas! It is! It's Christmas! In 17 days as of recording. <laughs> ah, I was hoping for the day where we all just go fucking crazy over presents and get drunk all day for some reason. <laughs> Santa said if I was good, he was gonna bring me a crack pipe. <laughs> Yay! Don't we have names or something? No. No, we we lost our names. We were naughty this year, so we lost our names in the process. Yeah, it, it turns out it hasn't been cold, but Sansa's been trying out this new thing where uh, if you're on the naughty list, you no longer just have a name. <laughs> I, I don't know how it works. He just does it. Anyway, I'm Tyler Green, and insert Dudley Moore joke here. I'm Kitty Quinn, or as I like to call myself, Tina, Tina, no. Tiny, Tina, 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 no. Tiny, Tina, Tina, no. the talking tabby. No. <laughs> You're grounded. I'm Randy Martin, and I'm the one who's going to guillotine Muffy's dad. Huzzah! Hooray! <laughs> and Muffy will be on very thin ice, because if she's still like this when she's an adult, we're going to put her in the guillotine. Uh, she definitely will, let's be honest. We should probably introduce the movie we're talking about. <laughs> <laughs> in case you haven't figured it out from the references we're making, uh, we will be talking about Arthur's Perfect Christmas. Or is it? We're not talking about Arthur Christmas 2011 as much as I love it. (laughs) Yeah, that's the thing. Whenever I tried to find this movie, I kept getting results for Arthur Christmas on Kiss Cartoon because that was literally the only way I could watch this without breaking the bank because I spent all my money at the Thanks for Magic donation stream. Yay! Well, it was going to a good cause, so... (laughs) Thank you, Charlie, Haley, Dave, Ian, and Kevin. Y'all rock. Yes, shout out to the Thanks for the Magic stream that happened previously on the weekend of the 5th, and they managed to raise over $5,000 for the cast member pantry, so huge congrats to them for that. But anyway, I suppose we should get into our history with the slightly obscure show called Arthur. It's not like it's been running for almost 25 years. It's not a really famous book series. It's not iconic as hell that it had several memes a couple of years ago, including the Arthur Fist meme. I've literally never heard of this show until now. Nope, never heard of it. It doesn't matter that it was technically the first show I ever watched. I never heard of it. Nope, nope. Don't you mean Hey Arnold? Yeah, it was totally Hey Arnold. I remember when they were all secretly animals in Hey Arnold the whole time. Ah, awesome. We're talking about Hey Arnold the movie. All right, so in this one, no, I'm kidding. Could you imagine? (laughs) Oh, God. (laughs) We could talk about the Jungle movie sometime, but we'll see. (laughs) Okay, so Randy's, how about you start off? So I have a bit of a connection with Arthur, considering it was made by WGBH, the Boston PBS affiliate, which Massachusetts is where I am from, and New England is still where I live. So it makes sense that Arthur was a big part of my childhood. And I think even the author, Mark Brown, is Bostonian, as far as I know. Yeah, I think he is. Uh, Let me quickly look that up while you continue. Yeah, this is a pretty Boston-heavy show shown in a Boston PBS affiliate that I grew up with, so... And not only did you grow up with them... Oh, yeah, not only did I grow up with them, uh, I was a canvasser for WGBH. (laughs) I went door-to-door asking for donations in really scary parts of Boston... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> for minimum wage 
No, it was actually the better door-to-door job I had because I actually agreed with uh, what I was doing, but yeah. And you didn't even get to be on Zoom. What the fuck? I didn't even get to be on Zoom. What? They said, oh, you can't be on Zoom. You're literally an adult. Okay, well, <laughs> we are on Zoom technically, but not the good kind of Zoom that we want to be this on. This is not the Zoom I was expecting to be on when I was a kid. I barely even remember Zoom, and that would still be a much preferable Zoom to be a part of. <laughs> I actually, fun fact about me... I hated Zoom when I was a little kid. And would you like to know why? Why? Because that pretty much signified that PBS Kids was over. (laughs) (laughs) I I don't know if this was any other PBS affiliates, but WGBH would pretty much just end PBS Kids with Zoom and then go to, like, you know, the news and their shows and shit, which, as an adult... You kind of get an appreciation for those shows. <laughs> yeah, I liked I liked Zoom. I mean, I, I watched a lot of it. Same can be said about my relationship with Arthur because it was always one of my go-to after-school shows. Yes. I remember it was kind of funny because I remember that it would always be my before-school show because for some reason we our PBS would immediately stop playing the kids section right after, like, 12 o'clock or something i remember that they would yeah it was like sometime around 12 o'clock they'd swap over to the documentaries and such unless maybe i was getting something wrong but i remember that sometimes i'd catch like bob ross on there so maybe that was kind of like the bridge between them yeah my pbs affiliate prop well at least two of them i think whyy and njn they usually ended around 3 34 o'clock so, usually to cap off the day that way, they did it with Arthur, from what I remember. Oh, by the way, fun fact. So, Mark Brown was actually born in Pennsylvania, Ooh. but he lives in Massachusetts at the moment. Oh. Oh my god, he's you too, represented as an author. <laughs> oh, jeez, he is. <laughs> okay, so he's from Erie, PA. I've never been to Erie, PA, but I've heard nice things about it, so... Is it eerie? Hey <laughs> I I don't know. <laughs> Is it like near the lake? <laughs> I guess. I don't know. <laughs> the only things I know about Pennsylvania are Tyler and Mr. Rogers. Aww. And also Philadelphia. <laughs> uh for me it's Mr. Rogers, Tyler, Rocky. <laughs> this the song Philadelphia Freedom by Alton John, Philly Cheesesteaks. Yes. <laughs> the movie Philadelphia with Tom Hanks. <laughs> I eat, live, and breathe Philly, so I have to eat at least one cheesesteak a day. Man, everybody's eating cheesesteaks and shit. (laughs) Uh, the Steelers, I think. Is it the Steelers? Uh, it's Pittsburgh, isn't it? I don't know if sports are a real thing, but I do believe they exist. (laughs) Oh, shit, speaking of Pennsylvania, I've been to Hershey Park. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Yes! We really need to do a Hershey Park trip someday. Yes! (laughs) God, we keep talking about that, and... It'll happen someday when there isn't a pandemic. All right. And uh, was that kind of your history with uh, Arthur Tyler, or do you have more to say? Uh, Not really. That's pretty much all I have to say about my thoughts on Arthur. Basically, long story short, grew up with it, love it, still love it today. It's always good to revisit it, especially this given special, because I have seen it. But just like with the big Comfy Couch episode, it's really fun to revisit it because at this point i'm just regurgitating the same things i say over and over again so (laughs) but i regurgitate way more (laughs) i just regurgitate period (laughs) hooray we'll discuss what makes y'all gag later in the words of one danny tanner (laughs) (laughs) all right so my history with arthur is that 
I'm a huge, huge, huge fan of the show, even to this day. Like, it's always been that really unique show for PBS, in my opinion. It's not that I didn't love a lot of the other shows that PBS was putting out, but this was kind of the one that really developed its own identity. Like, it's one of the ones that didn't just turn into another, let's teach the kids letters and alphabet and numbers and all that stuff. It's actually a show that tackled real-life topics and with kids that actually felt like kids. Like, it wasn't afraid to show that kids can be kind of dickish. It wasn't afraid to show really new messages, really being able to go into deep topics. Hell, recently they've been doing that too. Like, what's the obvious, if if a lot of people aren't aware, Mr. Ratburn getting a husband. Yes! I knew it. Yes! <laughs> We're the gay rats here. <laughs> And then they also even started having little PSAs talking about Black Lives Matter, wearing masks, showing what it's like for them to be living through the pandemic, and a lot of other great topics, especially the April 9th episode talking about dealing with post 9-11, which is kind of weird that this special actually came out almost nine months before 9-11, like... A year and one day off, to be exact, or like... 364 days, I should say. Yeah, holy shit. It was DW, I knew it. (laughs) Fucking DW, man. Just, I guess what else I have to say about Arthur the show in general is that, I guess in a way, you could really consider it PBS's equivalent of The Simpsons in the sense that it's been running for a very long time. A lot of things have changed with the show, such as the animation going from hand-drawn to Flash, which it's starting to grow on me slowly, but not... A whole lot, really. It looks better than it did when it first started, yeah. where it was very clear they were... And plus, it looks way better than Arthur's Missing Pal, which... Ugh. Oh, it's... God. We don't talk about Arthur's Missing Pal. You know, I try to refuse the right to automatically knock something I'm not familiar with his bad, but it really took me a long time to get used to that animation, even though I have not caught up with Arthur over the years. Yeah, it's kind of funny because I think that the new animation has kind of grown on me, but the older seasons from like season one to season 15 were kind of capturing this really much more unique show that really felt more like a slice of life series. And like you said, a lot like a kid's version of The Simpsons and how it manages to just have so many memorable characters. It's it's really rare for a, for a show, especially a PBS kids show, to be able to have this much personality and hell even go into adult references like everybody remembers the contest episode (laughs) (laughs) they reference beavis and butthead south park dr cats there was some fan art that went around recently of pinky and the brain but it was binky and the brain yeah That absolutely would have been a parody in that episode had they actually thought of that. But. They should have done it. Absolutely, goddamn loop. I mean, they came kind of close because they did a Dexter's Lab parody. But <laughs> Also, one more Simpsons comparison I have to make is that the characters in the show do not age. Yeah. <laughs> They really don't. It's one of those shows where the times change, like they have smartphones and everything now, but the characters are still like 10 years old or whatever. And So are they just stuck in some sort of time loop or something or i mean they're anthropomorphic animals so i guess anything's possible in this universe god damn it pbs (laughs) stop making my brain hurt Ah! you guys are making me think too much yeah (laughs) but tyler did you know having fun isn't Isn't hard when you got got a library library card card. oh my god that, (laughs) that episode was a cultural reset okay 
Absolutely. Yes. Let's be honest with ourselves here. I remember that for years I would annoy my mom with how much I'd sing as I was Jekyll, Jekyll, high, Jekyll, high, high, Jekyll, 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 high, Jekyll, high. In fact, that I think singing that song once got me an A in an English class I had in middle school. Nice. <laughs> yeah, I was just, we were reading a bunch of monster stories and at the one point I sang as extra credit while I was doing an oral report on, on various monster books, I just read randomly started singing Jekyll, Jekyll, Hyde. <laughs> also, I'm just going to say it here. The greatest Arthur episode of all time is the one where Mr. Rogers visits. Yes! <laughs> I was thinking about this last night, and it is just an ult- It's just an absolute banger of an episode. Turns out both Arthur and Sesame Street exist within the Mr. Rogers cinematic universe. Fuck yes. <laughs> Absolutely. Like when I was a kid and that episode was on, I would drop everything and just watch that episode because I just loved anything and everything Mr. Rogers related. And then when the next half of the episode came on where it wasn't the Mr. Rogers portion of it, I just turned it off because it it's not going to top that. It's not going to get any better. Oh, no. No. I remember that blew my mind when I was a kid. I remember that. I remember being so confused, like, oh, no, did Mr. Rogers turn into a cartoon? But at the same time, I was like, this is awesome. Oh, my God. I want him to be here forever. <laughs> and then technically, Bill Nye also exists in the Mr. Rogers cinematic oh, universe. Oh, man, yeah. We got to talk about that episode someday. Yes. That was one of my fever dream moments, was watching that episode as a kid and then thinking, wow, did this actually happen? I never actually bothered to Google it. And then one day, a meme about that episode popped up on Twitter and I was like, I fucking knew it. <laughs> I remember how much it blew my mind when I found out Bill Nye's introduction was on the Back to the Future cartoon. So we definitely got to talk about that when we have the episode come up. <laughs> All right, and so then today we're talking about the very first movie ever made for Arthur, which, by the way, Arthur's missing pal claiming, oh, this is the first movie ever made for Arthur. Fucking liars! Liars! I was there when the dark magic was written, which you can't. T- <laughs> don't preach to me. <laughs> Rather, that line goes in Narnia. <laughs> <laughs> At least this doesn't have Russell Brand in it. A joke I just made by Googling. Hooray! <laughs> Although it does have Steven Crowder as Brain. Oh, boy. That's right. That's what he Uh, was. Arthur, the Brain was was Steven Crowder all along. Changed my mind. Goddamn alt-right Macaulay Culkin. (laughs) (laughs) You know, I'll say this much. It must kill him inside how left this the show is. Like, how it's openly supported Black Lives Matter. How it's openly been anti-racist, anti-COVID denial, and pro-gay rights. It must kill him inside that he was a part of that. Arthur would absolutely punch a Nazi. Yes, he would. I want that episode now. (laughs) I need the Nazi punching episode of Arthur. I need Francine to just pull an inglorious bastards and just blow up a bunch of Nazis and be like, I'm the baddest Jewish person around here, bitch, or something like that yes <laughs> apologies that, that was out of my lane to say but that would be awesome <laughs> uh randy do you want to start us off on how the episode begins or well it starts with a song <laughs> <laughs> stopping a mile high 17 types of I do you want some more yes ma'am the, honestly the soundtrack for this movie fucking slaps all of these songs are bangers all minus one <laughs> 
<laughs> All mine is the certain one we'll get to. Yeah, we're. I guess we'll just jump into it now. The soundtrack, I'm with you guys, is very good. And it's very memorable, too. Like, this song and the Baxter Day song as well, of course. Yeah, I'm actually trying to see who wrote the soundtrack because it sounded kind of familiar. I know that the special was written by Peter K. Hirsch, was who was a big writer on the show for a while. So yeah, the episode starts off with Arthur singing about what he wants his ideal Christmas to be. The titular perfect Christmas, if you will. Take a shot. (laughs) And then he's just singing about how only four days left till Christmas. And then he has this big elaborate fantasy sequence. And before that, before the fantasy sequence, it's kind of a really nice shot of Elwood City and kind of shows how everybody's doing their last minute Christmas shopping, kind of going through a really nice little set that's set to something that sounded a little like Carol of the Bells, but was actually the intro to the song in question. (laughs) Yeah, I think it was Canon D. Oh, yeah, Canon D. Yeah, that was the one. Yeah, because I remember that threw me for a loop when I heard that on the radio. I was like, they're playing Arthur music on the radio now? (laughs) (laughs) I've watched this special way too many times. (laughs) But yeah, this opening song specifically is very good. It really does a good job of setting up exactly what the tone of the special is going to be, especially since it's Arthur, because they do a lot of over-the-top, fun, experimental kind of things with the show. Yeah, and then they have a bunch of fun lines in it, and how he's just singing about how my family's gonna make a bunch of pie! 17 types to be exact! And I'm just like, I was like, Arthur, stop fantasizing about making your dad slave in the kitchen. <laughs> Arthur, you fucking libertarian. He also wrote tinsel in the song, too. Yes, I was about to say that. He just has something seriously against tinsel. Although when I was a kid, when I saw DW open that box, for some reason, I I always thought that was spaghetti for some reason. I was like, why the fuck is she just holding a big box of spaghetti? Y'all mind if I just put spaghetti on this tree right now, fam? When your spaghetti falls out of your pocket. (laughs) Mom's spaghetti hanging on the tree. I don't know. Vomit on his Christmas sweater already. Tree spaghetti. I used to play bass for Tree Spaghetti. That was actually the name of our Eminem tribute band. <laughs> hey <laughs> Okay, so the song and ends, the- and then we get introduced to the little shit herself, D.W. And then the whole, and then throughout the whole song, Arthur's just roasting her when she says she wants tinsel, and like, You can have all the tinsel you want in hell. <laughs> When you are as old as me, and it's like, you won't live that long. No, (laughs) (laughs) You know, we may disagree about certain things. You know, we may disagree about Baby Bop, but at least we can all agree that DW is Satan. Eh, I kind of love to hate her because I kind of have complicated feelings on her because she's, on one hand, she's annoying, but she is a realistic kid. She has, like, realistic kid problems, and they do write her like a little sibling, and I've got to say, they're actually really on the nose about it. And plus, in her own episodes where she genuinely has to learn how to not be a little shit, I don't mind her, but yeah, there are some times where she can go beyond my limit. Cough, DW's very bad mood (laughs) cough cough arthur's big hit cough 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 arthur's parents are horrible (laughs) and clearly favored dw over him cough cough who the fuck tells their kid well don't you think that's how your sister felt after he got fucking pummeled it's like fuck you we're not gonna go uh, too in-depth into that episode because who hasn't at this point but this is a dave and jane reed 
hate podcast. Yes. Hooray! They have no rights, and they get the guillotine as well. And then so DW is forcing him to write a Christmas list for her, and then she's just like, I've only had four Christmases in my life! What should I write? And I'm just like, dear Santa, please get this little shit to shut up. <laughs> <laughs> dear Santa... Please give this little shit a paper cut on the tongue. Dear Santa, please go back in time and tell my mom about the wonders of an IUD. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, you only need one kid. That's <laughs> Maybe then Arthur's parents would actually love him. <laughs> so then it cuts to like DW dropping off the letter in the mailbox and then she goes to the car and then it starts the most annoyingly catchy song of all time. That song is just as bad as you think it is. It's horrible. It's, At least Crazy uh, Bus was catchy. <laughs> Crazy Bus is a fucking banger. Crazy Bus at least has lyrics. It's not just the same Tina, Tina, Tiny Tina over and over again. It's like The Virgin, Tina the Talking Tabby versus the Chad, Harvey the Wonder Hamster. <laughs> yes! <laughs> <laughs> You know, on a side note, we never actually see what Tina the Talking Tabby looks like, and I'm starting to guess that she probably looked like that terrifying app that was going around a couple of years ago, the Tom the Cat app. I had that. When that was, like, first a thing, I had that on my freaking 2010 iPod Touch. Ah! <laughs> Very dark times. Very. And I guess darker before Cats 2019 came out. <laughs> but we won't go into that. And then there's a part where DW's just all, Mom, Santa's gonna get that for me, isn't he? And then the mom's just like, oh, we'll just have to see. I suppose we should go into the fact that Santa does not exist in this special. At all. Yeah, that's a very good point because I've noticed yeah. that this special does go out of their way to say that the mom does buy gifts for DW. And she at least sugarcoats it for her. And they don't even go into, like, that secret Santa twist in the end where it's like, uh-oh, he was real all along. Like the horse and around Christmas special where in the, the sitcom within BoJack Horseman has a Christmas special. And then they go into, now the, uh, right after they go into detail about how there is no Santa, honey. We're sorry, but you'll just know that your family is real. And then all of a sudden they're like, wait a minute, who left this gift? Not me. Not me. Oh, no. <laughs> Uh-oh. SpaghettiOs. <laughs> Plot twist, it was Krampus. <laughs> <laughs> and then they all die. The end. Yay! <laughs> yeah, it's kind of bizarre because, though it does break the question, so aliens exist in this universe and anthropomorphic animals, but not Santa? <laughs> and apparently, I guess so does Jesus. They name drop <laughs> Jesus in the special. I guess they're trying to use the yeah. excuse that the show's supposed to be down to earth. But is it really when you have aforementioned aliens? Aliens literally are the canonical reason DW's snowball went missing. And then they're just like, yeah, but Santa's a bit, a bit of a stretch. And I mean, it's kind of respectable because it is kind of nice to see a kid's show just say, yeah, he doesn't exist. Sorry. But it never gets condescending about it. It's all, it's still cool if you believe. Though it is kind of weird. Do you think kids ever ask their parents like, wait, why is Arthur's mom buying them the present? And it's like, um... It's, that's how it happens in this universe. I mean, 
<laughs> you know, on a side note, I actually randomly remember one time when I was a kid, I was reading Super Fudge, and I remember that they straight up mention in the Christmas chapter that there is no Santa, and at the end, Fudge is just like, yeah, I know there's no Santa, I just pretend so mom and dad will get me all the presents, and I'm like, <laughs> oh, jeez. I remember as a kid being so confused, like, uh, so does he just not exist in this universe? <laughs> That's pretty much how it happened for me. That's pretty much how I found out that Santa wasn't real, because I remember my mom and my stepdad taking me aside and just outright telling me, so Tyler, uh, so you know that we're Santa, right? And I was like, yeah, I kind of figured. That's okay. And now in a future Christmas special, DW is going to have to deal with Elf on the Shelf or something. <laughs> oh, God, yeah. What would the Krampus equivalent be of Elf on the Shelf? No, he just kills you. <laughs> the Krampus version of Elf on the Shelf just basically keeps track of you when you're being a piece of shit. And then he's just like, <laughs> it's just Krampus at your house with a gun. <laughs> so anyway... Um, so then we have to go into the big question. Why are these kids still in school three days before Christmas? Uh, I mean, I can kind of understand it because I guess usually when I was in school, my last day before Christmas was usually around the 21st or the 22nd. And those last few days, we usually just spent watching movies and whatnot. So... Okay, that's fair. I guess it's just because over on the West Coast, we kind of always have at least a week before Christmas off in advance, so. But I guess maybe it's more of an Eastern Coast thing. And now that I'm in college, I get a whole month off. Hooray! I have work, I get nothing off. Yay! It's called being an adult and crying. I remember that when I was in college, I remember being so... On one hand, it was nice to have a whole month off. On the other hand, that meant finals were even more hell to try Uh, to finish. (laughs) because they were trying to cram everything together and I had to figure out how to get work off and yada yada. Being an adult sucks. So yeah, the kids are in school at this point and they're all doing like a show and tell and one of the kids... Oh wait, oh we forgot, that's another thing. We forgot to talk about uh, Muffy's introduction. Oh, fucking Muffy. Fuck Muffy. Okay, you know how we said we were gonna bash DW? Scratch that. We're gonna be spending the whole special bashing Muffy because Muffy is the one we ultimately all agree no, on. No, we're all she gonna bash a... DW too. Well, at least two of us, but... That's fair. Yeah. <laughs> we, kind of, we kind of agree already on who we hate from the show. There's no discourse here. Yeah. Yay! So Muffy's plot in this special is that she keeps pestering Francine to go to her Christmas party, but Francine doesn't want to go because it's Hanukkah. And that's literally a valid reason, and fucking Francine is literally explaining to her, and Muffy's just like, all right, make it on the 23rd, or we'll be seeing you there, and it's like, fucking I'm just assuming she's just in denial because she... She has this really weird relationship with Francine where she kind of views her as sort of below her, but she's also her friend. We'll get to it later, but there's a scene that really takes advantage of that theory. So yeah, and then Francine is rightfully pretty pissed. But then it cuts to the scene in the classroom where where George is talking about... uh, I forgot what it was called. It was a Swedish holiday. He was yeah. He was talking about some sort of fish. Yeah, lutefisk. And... Some some sort of fish tradition. Mm-hmm. Finnish, Finnish. Saint Lucia Day. Europe has some crazy Christmases. You ever see the Welsh one? The Welsh one is crazy. 
You know, it's, it's kind of nice that they also go into other holidays in this special, and it's especially really nice that they don't make it all, oh, just get in the Christmas spirit, and it's like, no, they show all these holidays. It's also nice that they kind of just show the holidays instead of turning it into a let's explain every holiday special. Not that those are bad, they're really good and informative, it's just kind of nice to have something that's more natural about it, I guess. We do stay on uh, the Rugrats Passover episode, though. Yeah, we do. <laughs> yes. That one was awesome. <laughs> Apparently Caillou tried to have a holiday special like this one where they explained every single holiday and it sucked. Of course it does. It's Caillou. It's always going to suck. Anyway, so there's also this weird running gag where Binky, the I guess he's the bully. Sometimes the show acts like he is, but also he's just really aloof. So, like, he's basically Grey Jedi. Once he starts befriending, like, the other group, he actually starts going through some character development, and they kind of also explain that he was held back, so it kind of explains why he often struggles with aloofness and yeah. such. And I like that they never make fun of him for being held back. That was a nice little touch. Oh, not Grey Jedi. He's the Anakin Skywalker of the Arthur series. <laughs> <laughs> Which now I really want to see them Mustafar fight, but with Binky as Anakin and Arthur as Obi Wan. <laughs> <laughs> you were the chosen one, Binky. <laughs> you were the one who was going to hold the library card and have fun. That isn't hard. <laughs> Binky is the Cartman of the Arthur universe. Change my mind. Nah, I wouldn't go that far because Binky is actually likable. <laughs> Oh, you remember that episode where he feeds George his parents? <laughs> Your tears of unfathomable sadness are delicious. Remember the episode where Arthur where Francine punched the shit out of him after he started being a little bitch about Christmas and he's like, Meh! And Arthur did actually parody South Park, so this conversation is relevant. <laughs> Hooray! <laughs> and so then there's just a running gag where Binky's a terrible cook and then Mr. Ratburn will slowly try his food and then then he'll be like, Binky, did you forget to shell the pecans? And then he writes in his note, take the pecan shells off. And he does it again with <laughs> banana bread or something. And he forgets to put he forgets to put sugar in brownies because apparently he doesn't know that's how they become sweet, which dude. <laughs> Come on, you're, 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 you're 10 years old. You should know how powerful sugar is to you. Has B Binky has never snuck into the cabinet to eat sugar? Which, by the way, that's not just a Johnny Johnny Yes Papa thing. We all did that <laughs> as kids, and you know it. <laughs> and then it cuts to Buster's subplot where he's struggling to deal with the fact that his mom is really struggling with post-divorce Christmases, which I really like how realistically it portrays the divorce. Like, the parents actually do like each other, but you can tell there's still struggles of being a single mom in there. The special does a really good job of showing how Christmases work for single families. For example, Buster and his mom have a hard time coping with the holiday because his father's not around. And his mother probably copes with it worse because she keeps waking him up thinking it's Christmas every day and making him pancakes. <laughs> Which I'll admit, that's a pretty good gag. I do like that. 
<laughs> I just love how basically that's my brain during retail workers holidays like they have to fucking it's like it's Christmas again all the all the customers are gonna be garbage although <laughs> well granted Bitsy Buster's mom is a journalist but yeah <laughs> Also, when Ratburn was going crazy for the pecan pie, I was like, uh, he's supposed to go crazy for cake. Hashtag inconsistency. I expect good continuity out of Arthur. Thank you very much. <laughs> and then it's like, this is why he needed a husband, because then this way he wouldn't be constantly thinking about cake all the time. And, you know, side note, I just remembered that episode where Buster thought that his mom's boyfriend was going to be Mr. Ratburn. It's like, um, does anyone want to tell him? And then they also have like a sequence where he has a nightmare where Mr. Ratburn marries his mom and they have horrifying rat oh. rabbit children. <laughs> no wonder there's no interspecies relationships in this show, save for Nigel and Patrick. <laughs> <laughs> and then we get another scene with Muffy. She comes out of her limo dressed like a princess. So she's part of a monarchy now, so that's even more reason to behead her. <laughs> she straight up announces that everyone's invited to her party, blah, blah, blah. And she keeps pestering Francine yet again. Also, how does she have that much time to change into a whole-ass princess outfit after school? With the roof open, with her head out of the limo, where's the Lee Harvey Oswald cameo episode when you need it? <laughs> <laughs> also, justice for Bailey. Bailey deserves to be the one to pull the guillotine string. Man, Lee Harvey Oswald just really shot the wrong guy. <laughs> Also, we gotta love that Mr. Ratburn was all, Instead, I want y'all to write a five-page essay over what you did over the holidays. And I'm just like, so you want five pages of me getting drunk and crying? Yeah, that confused <laughs> me. Like, wh how exactly are you gonna fit that into five pages? Like, two to three pages, I can understand, but not five. I'm just gonna write five pages, and it's gonna be the same sentence over and over again. And it's just gonna say, I have seasonal affective disorder. <laughs> What I learned in boating school is... What I learned in boating school is... I have seasonal depression. What not to do at a stoplight. <laughs> <laughs> and then at the end of the holidays, Mr. Ratburn is just like, Oh, we're just gonna take a Christmas field trip instead. <laughs> Look, we love Mr. Ratburn, but we're all like, Bro. Bro. That was a dick move, dude. Come on, man. <laughs> if you were my kid's teacher, I'd have words. I'd be like, I want to speak to the manager. I'd literally cut my hair in that style. <laughs> then when Francine's pissed because Muffy's still not listening to her, which, by the way, I, I, if I were Francine at that point, I would have been like, yeah, go f well, probably there's a more justifiable moment to just drop Muffy's ass for good, but... There's plenty. Let's be honest, there's... Probably more than one. Damn, Muffy doing what rich white bitches do best. Erase other cultures. <laughs> Ayo! <laughs> I'm jumping ahead, but later on when she's like really upset about Francine and she's talking to Brain about it, they're talking about how he celebrates Kwanzaa, which Steven Crowder voices this guy, everyone. A white dude talking about how he celebrates Kwanzaa. Do with that what you will. But anyway, so she says something along the lines of, Daddy, next year can I have a Kwanzaa party instead of a Christmas party? Uh, sure, Pookie. Why? Because maybe Francine will be able to come to that one. So she's straight up appropriate. It's, it's not even out of, like, an appreciation. It is straight up appropriating other cultures just to get some arbitrary thing that you want. <laughs> Muffy is the fucking worst. Jesus Christ. <laughs> 
You know what, Randy? I'm I'm with you. We need to get Lee Harvey Oswald in on this shit. Hooray! <laughs> Too bad he was probably involved with the Nixons. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. Probably more likely to be involved with the Lyndon B. Johnsons. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to Channel KRT. We are a conspiracy podcast now. <laughs> Yay! I am crafting my tinfoil hat as we speak. The chemicals in the flash animation are turning the frickin' rats gay. <laughs> <laughs> And I guess the aardvarks too, but anyway. And then can I just say, when they cut to Arthur and his mom going into the mall to do Christmas shopping, they captured the noises that you hear during holiday shopping eerily accurately. Like, you hear the crying kids, you hear, like, the fucking screaming people. I'm just like, it's my nightmares come to life. (laughs) I was overwhelmed during that scene. That's how good they did. Can you get sensory overload from something you're not physically in? Because that's how I felt. Absolutely. Yeah, that gave me sensory overload. And like that whole time, I was like, oh my god, they are good. They kicked in my misophonia so hard once you heard the kids crying in the background. I was just like, no, no! Like, I can barely tolerate the baby Kate crying sound effect. That, because that shows up, I, I need to rant for a second, because that sound effect shows up in a lot of fucking shows, not just Arthur. Uh, ouch. And it gets yeah. played ad nauseum, and every every time I hear it, it just, it just causes some sort of reaction in me that I can't explain, but it's definitely, there's definitely some misophonia going on over there, so. Yeah. <laughs> Basically, what we're saying is we hated watching this scene, and that's what makes it so great. Also Yay! very relatable, because... Malls are a fucking nightmare during the holidays, am I right, fellas? Coming from someone who's a total mall rat, yes, they're a nightmare during the holidays. Absolutely. I I shudder to think of what it's like now. On a side note, why the fuck was Jane shopping three days before Christmas? Why did she tell her son that, okay, we're gonna go do our Christmas shopping three days before Christmas. Nothing will be sold out. Nothing will be fucking insane. You won't be seeing a crowd literally tearing each other apart as we speak. (laughs) It's not gonna turn into jingle all the way, that's for sure. All right, just make sure you remember where our parking space is. Uh, it's in the next state over. <laughs> it's kind of like how in Simpsons roasting on an open fire, you just see how, like, there's almost nothing left for the holidays, so, like, Homer has to go to the dollar store and then just buy a bunch of cans and such until he finally finds Santa's little helper. <laughs> and also in the mall scene, this is where we get our plot device for the special, the glass bird. Although before that, um, Arthur's looking for a gift for his dad, and then he sees this veginator, which is basically something that cuts a bunch of veggies it's only $5.99, which I was just like, that would be $30 at cheapest, if it's that good. That's like an entire appliance. And you can tell nobody's buying that shit because the salesman straight up has to lie to Arthur and says, oh man, these are going off the market like hotcakes, while he's just like dusting the box off of a, of a shelf where there's where it's just like stacked full of boxes of this damn thing. So what you're saying is it was the Wii U. 
Heyo! And then the salesman is basically like, you can buy this olive depitter that we have instead. And I'm just like, literally, olives are the easiest thing to depit. You don't have to buy a whole ass thing. You'd be, you'd be better selling like an avocado depitter or something. <laughs> it's like one of those things that takes a task that was normally pretty easy and introduces a new high-tech way to make it a goddamn headache. It feels like one of those things where you'll see on TikTok where they'll be all like, this is the something something, I don't know. <laughs> Life hack. <laughs> Life hack. You like having your AirPods? Why don't you glue them to your ears? <laughs> and then, so Arthur's just allowed to shop around without any adult supervision, which could not relate. My mom would never let me do that. She'd be like, I, I don't care if you're buying presents for us. You need an adult with you. <laughs> I don't think I was allowed to roam the mall unsupervised until I was like 14. Oh yeah, same here. I mean, these kids can just basically parole around town, go to the show. Sugar Bowl, go to the movies all by themselves at eight years old. And I'm just like... I, I've noticed that like a lot of shows in the 90s show like eight-year-old kids like out unsupervised. And it just makes me know that the whoever, whoever is behind this show grew up in like the 50s and the 60s. <laughs> when you could just literally let kids just roam off leash wherever they wanted. <laughs> Long ago, in a faraway land, there was a prosperous studio run by a middle-aged CEO. In an era of princesses and flashy musical numbers, the studio decided to go in a different direction, and thus their most unique creation was born. And they called it, The Emperor's New Groove. But The Emperor's New Groove is more than just one movie. There's an entire expanded Grooveverse out there, and I intend to explore it all on the Emperor's New Podcast. Hi, I'm Micah Hirsch, and I'll be your host on this whimsical journey as I'm joined by special guests to discuss every corner of this underrated franchise, from movies to television to theme parks. You can hear all about it on the Emperor's New Podcast, available on Anchor, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and more. Be sure to stop by and give it a listen, and remember, beware the groove! So then he's all, I should get this little glass bird that I accidentally broke for her last summer. And then you find out that the bird is only $10 and I'm just like, what? There's no way that thing would be $10. That's like a Sforsky thing. Those, those things go for like hundreds. If not thousands. Yeah. I mean, I guess if it was like a Goodwill or a thrift store or something, but that did not look like a thrift store. <laughs> There was a lot of good fancy china in that one store, and Arthur bought that shit with, like, what, five quarters? It was like $9.59. It's like, if a little kid can buy that with, like, his pocket change, then it was not worth replacing, is all I'm saying. I mean, it is a nice bird, I'll say that much. I, I'd be very happy if that was... Also, there wasn't an elaborate sequence where everything got smashed comically. Zero out of ten. Yeah. <laughs> I just wanted Arthur to suddenly turn into Link and then just go all that one shop in Zelda and just start breaking everything for fun. <laughs> it's not a cartoon jewelry store or whatever type of store, China shops, unless you have a cartoon bull in there who actually didn't do anything to cause the chaos. <laughs> <laughs> Isn't that just the story of Ferdinand? <laughs> <laughs> like, you have the bull there. And you, like, see him, and you think he's the one, but, like, oh, it's actually the main character. And the ball is like, what the hell? Yeah. 
Where it's like the sequence from Borat where he goes to the Confederate antique store and he starts breaking everything. (laughs) (laughs) And then so Arthur has to go back to the entrance, but he can't remember what entrance. And then when he goes to the security guard and the security guard's just listing off all the entrances with candy canes, I was like, boy, they sure wanted to make this mall absolutely impossible to get out of, didn't they? (laughs) Well, that's just all malls during the holidays. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> that mall probably threw all its money at candy canes, and that's probably the only holiday thing. <laughs> okay, so there's a blue candy cane, there's the orange candy cane, or there's the red candy cane. Which one are you talking about here, kid? So, one thing I just want to notice that I think about just, like, the 2000s in general, because that definitely applies to it. I swear to God, photos with Santa places at the mall were way more elaborate back in like the early 2000s yeah like you'd have like them make an entire santa's workshop that you'd have like a section where the kids could write their little letters i remember that was at least the case for my mall back before covid hit i remember that they would often set up these big elaborate santa's workshops and make little little trails that made you look like you were walking through a forest to the north pole it's like oh man i can't i can't remember the last time they did stuff like that the one at my mall had like a tv showing christmas movies i remember one of them one year was the santa claus um (laughs) (laughs) fuck tim allen anyway and then they had like this little you know those like little animatronic platforms that spin oh yeah, yeah so it looks like whatever's on it is ice skating Oh, yeah. <laughs> had, like, I swear to God, I had, like, ice skating penguins or reindeer or something Aww. just spinning around, and I thought that was the tits. I remember that. Oh, my God. And then I remember also when I was living in Sonoma for a time, the mall they had there in the Disney store, they had this really neat, elaborate Winter Wonderland get-up they'd get with, like, all the little Mickey and Minnie and Goofy and Pluto and Donald and Daisy statues. And uh, I miss elaborate Christmas decorations. <laughs> So then Arthur's has to go through the toy store to get to the entrance, and then the fucking song starts playing again. Tina, Tina, Tiny, Tina, 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 Tiny, Tina. Tina, Tiny, Tina, Tina. And then Arthur's just fucking jumping through the store, trying to get out of it, going on the monkey bars, going on, hopping on <laughs> this giant inflatable. Freaking toy store parkour. There's literally no way that he would have gotten at least himself hurt or someone else doing that shit. I think he probably accidentally caused the inflatable to fly out, so that probably ended up crushing somebody. (laughs) Also, slight rant, so I saw Muffy's mom in the toy store, and I was just like, oh, she's probably just gonna buy up the whole damn store for her fucking wiener kid. Just like that one episode where Mr. Crosswire buys all the fucking groceries in town during a blizzard, and then when all the other people in town don't have any food and have to go to Arthur's place for stew, and then he's just like, well, I left it all to rot. It's like, fuck the crosswires. Fuck the crosswires. Oh my god, even for a kid's show, that is some low-life shit right there. Like, it is genuinely amazing how nobody in the town decided to just team up and kill the crosswires. <laughs> Like we said in the big comfy couch episode, we so need them to reenact that. Hey, let's not just have a nice ending to It's One Wonderful Life. We'll have an ending where they all kill Mr. Potter. (laughs) That is my new favorite Christmas tradition right there, guys. Absolutely. Eat the goddamn rich. Huzzah. (laughs) 
then so then it cuts back to Arthur meeting his mom and then he's like like did you get everything you need and she's like well there was one thing but it was all sold out and it's like well that's what you get for shopping for it three days before Christmas you dumb bitch (laughs) come on like they're lucky they even got anything from the mall but like, yeah, I think at that point, the mall would look like it would have, like, maybe three crackers left or something. If you do Christmas shopping for, like, a really hot commodity, you do that shit months in advance. Like, at least sometime in November at the latest. It's like Christmas in July exists for that reason. They literally, so then you can buy everything while nobody's thinking about Christmas. I can get if you're too busy to go out and buy it yourself. But still, that's what online stores are for, and it's hard for me to tell how big of a thing that was in the 2000s, but still. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) He cuts to Jane trying to explain to DW, well, Santa's probably not going to get it for you because a lot of other kids want it. And And DW's just like, is it because I've been bad? And I'm just like, yes. Yes, it has been. It is because you're bad, you little demon. It's because you've been an intolerable little shit this entire show. I, I, I mean, she's good for memes, but that's it. <laughs> then, so then it cuts to, for some reason, their Uncle Fred sends them a VHS tape of him saying, I'm not coming there this year, I'm going to Florida. Oh, yeah. then I remember when having the male VHSs were a thing back in the day. I know I do. <laughs> It's like he couldn't even just call on the phone or something. He had to just mail in a VHS tape. <laughs> Literally, you could easily do this nowadays with a quick FaceTime message or something. Literally. And, uh, though to be fair, Uncle Fred is probably going to be me in 20 years, just extremely clumsy, living on my own with my dog. Well, maybe with Randy. Oh, yeah. You can't tell me Uncle Fred's a pothead, though. <laughs> He totally is. He smokes every single drug in existence. He's just a chill dumbass who hangs out with his dog. What's not to love, you know? So then we get the first indicator that maybe this might not be the perfect Christmas that Arthur's hoping for. They're eating the dinner early! (gasps) No! And not only that, but they're gonna eat stuff that isn't common tradition. No! Arthur, other cultures exist, dude. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and then Arthur's dad is talking about how he's going to make a much more traditional Middle Eastern dinner. And then and it comes to this weird fantasy sequence where Arthur imagines himself in like a Bible sequence or something. Fucking <laughs> And then they're all just sitting in a stable together. And then they're just pals eating hay because pals a good boy. <laughs> a very good boy, yes. And Arthur's grandfather is there and he's eating a camel. Oh! He has like this giant fucking camel leg and he says to Arthur, Hey Arthur, want my camel? And it got, that got a laugh out of me. I did like that. Speaking of which, I learned that this is a tradition in Dubai and I think it is in a lot of other Middle Eastern countries where camels are. (laughs) But there is a dish that involves roasting and eating the entire camel. Which, wow, what the fuck? I imagine it's really good. It looks like I've seen pictures of it. It looks pretty appetizing. We gotta go to Dubai. (laughs) Maybe someday. I can't. They'll arrest me. (laughs) 
And then Arthur's just pissed because they're eating that dinner three days before Christmas instead of right immediately on Christmas. I'm just like, bitch, you're getting the dinner either way. Be grateful. Then what are they going to have on like Christmas night? Are they just going to have like pizza or TV dinners or something? Like My Christmas dinner usually involves McDonald's. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> My Christmas dinner usually involved whatever the hell we were making out of our Easy Bake Oven. Which, by the way, I heard McDonald's is uh, apparently bringing back their holiday pies. Huzzah! I actually had one a couple of days ago. It was actually not bad. It was, uh... They also brought back the McRib. Yes! yes. <laughs> I've never had a holiday pie. I've had a McRib. I put mayonnaise on my McRib because mayonnaise and barbecue sauce is amazing together. And guys, put mayonnaise on a McRib. Go to the McDonald's. And ask for a McRib and ask them to add a mayonnaise. Trust me. I actually did have a holiday pie a couple of days ago. It, it's not, It's pretty good. It's a little dry, but not bad. Side note, I will not have a holiday pie until I know I am completely free of COVID. So be responsible, folks. I'll throw it through your window. Yay! Oh my gosh. <laughs> like, I'll get, I'll get one of those, like... <laughs> grabber things you get at like the zoo and everything like the one that's like a t-rex mouth or a lobster claw and i'll give it to you like here you go tyler get well soon so then bitsy's just talking about how she wants the holidays to be over and then buster's just getting more and more frustrated and then it cuts to timmy and tommy making fun of dw for sending a letter to santa which thankfully their bowl in this is very short because let's be honest Fuck the Tibbles. Except for that one time where they smashed DW's face in with a, with a swing. That was gold. And so then it cuts to the Christmas party, and can I just say, Boogie Woogie Christmas fucking slaps. Yes. yes. Oh man, this... At least on Arthur, they don't half-ass the songs. Like, the songs are pretty well-produced and well-crafted, and even well-sung for the child voice actors who are clearly kind of going through puberty, but they still make it work. Yeah, and they were called the Swabs, and I'm just like... That is kind of an awesome name. It kind of reminded me a little of the Struts. I like that, the Swabs. I should name my band that. And you know what, guys? Let me just say, this party was not a disaster. Yay! (laughs) (laughs) It's a beautiful morning! For those who don't know, there's a fanfic out there called Arthur's Party Disaster, and there's really no way to explain it. You guys just have to Google that shit for yourselves. (laughs) You will never listen to the song, It's a Beautiful Morning, the same ever again. (laughs) (laughs) God, I remember one time one of my co-workers was just singing that to herself and I leaned over and I was like, Oh my god! (laughs) (laughs) I was like trying so hard to keep my mouth shut so I didn't look like a crazy person. But I was like, oh my god! (laughs) Every time we tell someone about Arthur's party disaster... An angel gets its wings. Or an angel cries. I I don't know. Like we said, just look it up because it is it is glorious. So then it cuts to Muffy basically starting to be all like, All right, everybody gets a president. Francine, get over here. And then she calls Francine. And then fucking once again, Francine has to explain all this shit. And Muffy's just all, oh, so you still couldn't make it to the party. And then she's like, I mean, it's not like Hanukkah's as important as Christmas. Bruh. I was just like... Friendship end. End it right there. End it. End it. What a surprise! The rich white woman is anti-Semitic. Francine was way too generous in giving her another chance. Let's be honest. Also, it's a shame the show is G-rated because I really wanted to see Francine just cuss her out right there. (laughs) 
Just call her a fucking bitch to her face. <laughs> I want to watch Francine throw some hands. Yes! <laughs> so then it cuts to Buster falling asleep in the cake, and then he once again has to explain that his mom woke him up at like 6am. And then, <laughs> you know, on the side note, wouldn't she realize it wasn't Christmas by the time she woke up if she checked the calendar? Because why was she immediately making the pancakes, getting out the presents, then realizing it wasn't the 25th? Because if Buster had the calendar right there... <laughs> Like, at least his mom means well. And again, the segments with Buster and his mom are very wholesome. I do love them a lot. So then the brain suggests, you know, if Christmas really stresses you guys out, you could just have your own holiday. And then they come up with Baxter Day, and then they come into a really another great song. I'm just like, Baxter Day looks awesome. <laughs> I just want to, I want to go to the moon and take a huge bite out of it. And then... <laughs> mm, delicious rocks. <laughs> Yay! Isn't that just salt? Then also, like, pie and cheeseburgers just fly in the sky. You just get a bunk bed that just flies around. You get to crash land into the ball. I was just like, okay, you know what? Screw Christmas. Let's just celebrate Baxter Day. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man, I can't wait for the Rankin-Bass Baxter Day special. (laughs) You know what? I'm kind of surprised they didn't do a parody of those in this episode because it would have been so on-brand for them. That's another thing. It's not a Christmas cartoon without you need... A stop-motion Rankin-Bass parody, otherwise you failed at being a Christmas special. Like that 70s show did one, Spongebob did one. <laughs> Always Sunny did one, Community did one. Yeah! <laughs> Everybody then, did one. Literally. On a side note, speaking of stop-motion and Arthur, there was a robot chicken special where they had Arthur go in for LASIK and then they accidentally burned his face off. Wow, I can't believe I'm finally getting LASIK surgery! Wow, I can't believe they sold a laser to a rabbit! You know what? That's the Baxter Day Rankin Bass special. <laughs> Huzzah! <laughs> yeah, and, and Buster has the voice of a 30-year-old. Like, they didn't even bother trying to make him sound like a kid like they did with Arthur. It is kind of funny because Daniel Brochu is also probably like 30 plus at this point. <laughs> They've always swapped out the voice actor for Arthur repeatedly, but it seems like the the voice actors for Buster, Francine, and to a couple of others have always stayed the same. Oh, and Binky and uh, Arthur's dad because they share the same voice actor. Wait, so... He's been voicing Buster since he was a kid? Yep, pretty much. Wait, how the hell has he been able to keep that voice up for so long? 25 years, holy shit. And then also, I'm just imagining now, like, the Fox News just fucking losing their shit over the Baxters just deciding, nah, let's just go with Baxter Day. There's no, like, twist where they just needed to get into the Christmas spirit or anything like that. It's not like fucking Christmas with the crank. I just love the irony in that Steven Crowder himself endorses the idea of Baxter Day when he would probably... Like, if anyone else did this, he would pitch a shit fit. Liberals offended by Christmas invent a new holiday based off preschool show? They keep inventing genders. Nah, I'm a, I'm a Nazi. Give me money. Although, one more thing I wanted to say about Baxter Day. Okay, so they have this weird thing. Maybe I'm just so used to the one that I was hearing on both my VHS of this movie growing up and on YouTube, where the song was played perfectly the same. 
They have an edited version of this movie that they play now on PBS and on Amazon Prime where I watch this. Most of the changes that they made aren't really anything that noticeable, but there's a part where they fucking, like, there's just a couple of voice acting sections that seem a little off and such. But there's a part in this song where they cut out Buster saying baby for some reason. They just have him say yeah and then it mutes and then he's like, it's Baxter Day! It's like, so... Baby was bad to you, but DW walking in on Arthur peeing wasn't. Yeah, let's talk about that. <laughs> that fucking yeah, scene. Yeah, um... We're skipping ahead, but what the hell was up with that? So what happens is uh, their Uncle Frank stays over. And Fred. That's his name, Fred. right? Fred. Fred. I don't know. <laughs> Frank is just such a perfectly uncle name that I just kind of, my mind went to that. Anyway... Uncle Fred, um, E.W. wakes up, it's Christmas, Uncle Fred's in the bathroom, he's got red footy pajamas, and he's got shaving cream. Uh, you know, maybe he's just a millennial. We all wear footy pajamas in our 20s and 30s. <laughs> yeah, so he basically has the shaving cream set up that it looks like Santa's beard, and D.W. is, of course, stupid enough to believe that he's actually Santa. And I think he, like, looks up, he's like, ho ho, hi, D.W., with, like, a Santa-y voice. <laughs> And then he gets out of the bathroom, Arthur goes in, and then shenanigans ensue when DW knocks on the door and then opens it with Arthur's dad there too, and Arthur's taking a piss. She's like, Santa's, Santa's in there! And just barges the fuck in on Arthur pissing. <laughs> <laughs> and it's like, although I don't wonder why Arthur didn't lock the door in that case, it's like... <laughs> it's it's kind of on him too, I guess. You see the back of the dad... As DW starts laughing nervously, and I want to assume he was kind of pissed off, and I was hoping that would have been a valid excuse to burn her presence, but not everyone can be perfect, you guys. Yeah, it's like, Jesus fucking Christ, PBS really didn't want Buster saying baby, but that's okay for some reason. Uh, but anyway, so it cuts to the brownie sequence we were talking about earlier, and I'm just- <laughs> You're surrounded by cookies and such, you should know what makes things sweet. <laughs> and then it cuts to Arthur coming home and setting up the tree, and then DW's already made half the tree decorated with like these troll dolls or some shit, and unicorns and- And paper cats, too. And I'm just like, at least one of those things is going to cause the tree to just fall the fuck over. Those things are not sturdy. <laughs> and then it cuts to them going to church. And, it, you know, it's still kind of interesting to me that Jesus exists in this universe. Like, Oh, we forgot to mention that too, yeah. They mentioned Jesus several times in this special. Yeah, like there's a part where Brain's talking about nobody knows what day Jesus was actually born, which again, irony given his voice actor, but <laughs> <laughs> then there's also like how they're basically in the stable where Jesus was born in the section and then they go to church and then so I'm just like, well, I guess they kind of were going to church if like Judaism exists in the Arthur universe, so I guess, in, so it's cool that both versions of Jesus exist. And then it cuts to the fucking song again and then Arthur's just like change it and then it turns into fucking crazy bus and we were like they knew what they were doing <laughs> they fucking knew I mean yeah crazy bus is it does its job and that it's annoying but it's fun and how annoying it is I should hate it but I don't 
Yeah. On a side note, when they were walking out of the church, it looked so similar to that one meme that's like, Okay, Dad, no jokes. Oh, don't worry, Arthur, with that outfit you're wearing, I won't need to make any. <laughs> so then it cuts to the last gag of uh, Binky giving people food that tastes like crap. <laughs> and then he's just like, Ew, did you forget to peel the bananas? And I was like, Okay, no one is that stupid. <laughs> First of all, it looked like he put whole chunks of banana in the bread where you're not supposed to do that. You're supposed to blend the bananas in with the dough. Literally. How on top of that did he accidentally leave on the peel? How would it even cook? Was the oven just broken at that point? I mean, he kind of did at the end of the special. Spoiler, because he's serving food at a homeless shelter and then he's giving people cookies and then it turns out to be store-bought cookies. I was like, see, there you go. Plus, let's be real, I trust Binky more to resell food to me than I, than I trust any big corporation. <laughs> And so then it cuts to Arthur back at home getting all ready for Christmas. And then DW comes in all, we gotta make sure everything's perfect for Santa. It's like, why is the is the fireplace going? And it's like, no one is leaving their fireplace running overnight if they don't want their house to burn down. <laughs> hey, they could just ditch the house and leave DW in it. Doesn't matter to Yay! me. Yay! <laughs> <laughs> and then um uncle fred comes over yeah then at first it looks like it's also gonna snow but then it starts raining which you know if, if arthur's lived in a place that has snow his whole life wouldn't he know rain is always the first sign of snow <laughs> but whatever and so then uncle fred ends up crashing into their fence and he's like i was driving to florida and i'm like wait so were you driving all the way to florida that would take like four days if this takes place in like Pennsylvania. By the time he got to Florida, he would have to leave right away. I think I heard it actually takes place in Massachusetts. Oh, okay. Um, well, the show yeah. does. I don't know about the books. Also, something I forgot to mention earlier, when we were talking about how this is basically like The Simpsons also, now I really want a reenactment of steamed hams, but with Mr. Ratburn and Mr. Haney. <laughs> yes! Oh my god. <laughs> yes, please. <laughs> okay, wait. Okay, so... Mr. Haney would be Skinner. You know what? I'm finally going to do this. I am going to make a call to someone out there to make fan art for us of steamed yes. hams, but Mr. Haney is Skinner. Yes! Yes! Mr. Ratburn is Superintendent Chalmers. Whoever can do this has our eternal respect. <laughs> yes. Oh my god, please. So then it cuts to Rory being a good boy, but also a very crazy boy because he sees the present and he just fucking mistakes it for a toy and then Pal decides to try to rescue the toy, which was really sweet. He may be a mischievous boy, but he's a very good boy. Agreed. Yeah. He's he's just he's just being a turkey. Just dogs. That's just how they be. It's how they needed another conflict and a way to make you think that the present is going to break. Well, it does later on, but you get what I mean. So then Arthur has to jump onto Rory to try to get the present away from him. And then Rory runs behind the TV and I'm just like... So how did he not knock over a bunch of the TV and the <laughs> stand and shit? <laughs> you know what I noticed about Rory while he like keeps running away with stuff? Yeah. This is literally how Kipper is. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Except when you grab him, you try to take it, he, like, bites at you. <laughs> so Rory definitely has that, you know, kleptomania that Kipper has. 
It's whenever I accidentally drop a piece of paper I need, and then Bon Bon immediately starts going over to chew it. <laughs> ah, that's dogs for you. And then they. And bunnies. So yes. So after that bit of shenanigans, Arthur just goes to bed. Then suddenly it cuts to Christmas morning, and then DW's just like, It's Christmas! It's Christmas! Wake up, wake up, wake up, wake up! And I'm just like, Shut Go up! Go back to bed, you little shit! <laughs> <laughs> Thank God for birth control. <laughs> Plot twist, it was actually January 1st. <laughs> and then the aforementioned pissing scene happened. Uh, <laughs> and then it cuts back to, uh, it cuts back to, let me see. I think it was Buster subplot. Yeah, his mom wakes him up for real this time and they decide to go out to like a fancy restaurant. And this was the part that frustrated me the most. Was that Buster and his mom are just fucking terrible to this one waiter. Yeah, and I mean, I know they're not trying to be. Like, it's often just Buster being clumsy. But at the same time, I was just like, dude, what the fuck? And there's a part where he accidentally spills the dessert on the waiter's head. And then he and his mom just laugh after the waiter leaves. And I'm just like, you cruel, sadistic motherfuckers. There is one important rule when it comes to food service. Don't fuck with the people who are handling your food. I'm just saying. They're probably going to spit in it. <laughs> it's going to be like that scene in Waiting where they just go to town on that one Karen's meal. <laughs> that one episode of Spongebob where they think the health inspector is a fake one, so they destroy his fucking Krabby Patty. <laughs> Listen, we know and, like, Buster's supposed him. to be a good guy, but let us have this, guys. Come on. You know, on a side note, it is kind of fucked up to think that a bunny is eating a burger. Does Bon Bon like beef? Well, we don't know that. <laughs> Put him next to a live cow and see what he does to it. <laughs> <laughs> and so then it cuts to one of the worst sequences in the movie, where it cuts to fucking Muffy getting all these presents and getting a Cindy Crawfish makeup set, which, what? I know that's supposed to be like a stealth pun or something, but it just, it just didn't fit in with the entire vibe of the scene. It was just... So out of left field. Also, if she's supposed to be a crawfish, then why does she look exactly like a human on the little yeah. thing on top of a crawfish? I was like, what the fuck? Like, she's not even Arthurized. Like, she's turned into an animal or something. No, it's just regular Cindy Crawford's face on a toy crawfish. <laughs> it's like how in the new DuckTales, how they show that in the sitcom universe, how humans actually look fucking terrifying in the style. It's like, it's like that, but unironic. <laughs> and then she sings a song about how she misses Francine, but really she just misses bossing Francine around. God, she's fantasizing about making Francine, like, work as a maid. She's fantasizing about making her drive the train and shit. I'm just like, she fucking fantasizes about keeping her in a video game where she gets knocked over by shit. In a Donkey Kong parody. Yeah, it's like a weird Donkey Kong Mario hybrid. And she has Francine dress up in like a potato bag. Real slavery vibes there. Muffy doesn't miss her friendship. She just misses bossing her around. Like, she misses the free labor. Basically, yeah. Ugh. Yeah, it's like, Muffy is a terrible fucking friend. Francine did the right thing. Fuck Muffy. Like, why should Francine go back to her? Like, even if Muffy does learn her lesson, she's, like, legit toxic. Yeah. <laughs> 
And then also I noticed in the background there's a stalking for Chip, who apparently is Muffy's brother who comes in. He was actually mentioned somewhat throughout the show, so he's not like the poochie or anything in the show. And he does show up in one episode, but at the same time, you just notice how she has this giant ass stalking, and he has this regular size stalking. I'm like, okay, we can tell they play favorites in the crosswires. Yeah, just like they do in the Reed household. <laughs> uh, fun fact, apparently that sequence was actually supposed to be inspired off a of beauty school dropout. And I'm just like, well, now every time I see that scene, I'm going to half expect Frankie Avalon to just randomly show up. <laughs> uh, Frankie Avalon just shows up randomly to Muffy and tells her, it's, just remember, it's your own damn fault. <laughs> God, I wish only. that would happen. And so then it cuts back to the Reed's house and then just fucking DW is just insisting, no way it was Uncle Fred. It was totally Santa. Like someone just spoiled the surprise for her right there. <laughs> <laughs> so Arthur basically goes to get his present for his mom and he's and he's tells he tells everybody, don't get started without me. So DW is just awkwardly standing there trying to make sure that she doesn't pull the wrapper or whatever. I don't know. Yeah, and then Arthur just cuts to this fantasy sequence where he's just hailed as the perfect eight-year-old boy and how he's fucking- And DW's just getting roasted the whole time. <laughs> <laughs> also, Gandhi exists in this universe. <laughs> yeah, sure, why not? Yeah, so DW gets basically told that she's almost perfect. Meanwhile, baby Kate is there, and she is merely an I, afterthought. I keep forgetting that baby Kate is even, like, a character in the show. Well, they kind of later in season try to make her and Pal have their own little dynamic, which is pretty cute. Very Brian and Stewie-esque. Like, at least Pal's a character in the show. Baby Kate is arguably just a prop. To a degree. Like, when they start having her kind of be more of the shenanigans ensuing character, it's... it's it's cute. Like, she literally <laughs> existed just so they could do that double episode about her being born. Yeah. <laughs> you get introduced to the worst baby crying sound effect of all time. <laughs> At least one of them. Because there's the baby Kate crying sound. There's the uh, there's the sound that Jack-Jack makes when uh, Syndrome kidnaps him. That's in every fucking movie and show with a baby in it. And then it's the crying in a racer head. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. So then shenanigans ensue, and guess what happens to the present, you guys? Womp womp, it breaks. <laughs> it breaks in this really dramatic sequence where the way it plays out is actually kind of funny. It sort of falls into a basket, and it just sits there for a second, and then it just tips over and falls onto the ground. <laughs> and then you just see it fucking just... I, lo I love to think that the fall isn't what caused it to break, but it's just fucking, it's what, it's falling from that short height that killed it, like, it'd be- It was just such a fucking slap in the face, and I actually applaud the show for going there. Absolutely. It's like the glass bird equivalent of Rasputin, like, he didn't die because of the gunshots, he didn't die because he fell in the cold water, he died because he got water in his lungs or some shit. <laughs> I can come up with a theory, with an elaborate idea for anything. Huzzah! <laughs> Alright, so then Uncle Dave comes up to talk with Arthur and... Uncle Fred. Oh, God, I keep forgetting his name. Shit. <laughs> <laughs> I also love how DW is just like, Can't hold any longer! Where is he? And then she's just fucking... And then Uncle Fred just goes upstairs and they're just like, 
Just let her say like that for the rest of her life. <laughs> I do like the scene him and Arthur have where he worries that he ruined everything, but Uncle Fred talks him out of it and just gives him a pep talk to help him feel better. Like, I love, the, I love the dynamic that Uncle Fred has with Arthur, because even if we've only just met him in this one special, he's a very good dude whose heart is absolutely in the right place. I like this guy so far. Absolutely. I especially like how he kind of gets to be more than just the clumsy clumsy in the moment. He actually gets to have a genuine heart to heart that just because things may not be perfect doesn't mean that it isn't still amazing to be together. And and I also love when Arthur's like, with my luck, I'll probably knock over the Christmas tree. And he's like, hey, that's my job. I love that line. <laughs> yeah, same here. <laughs> And then after that, we get what is easily the most relatable sequence in this entire special. The scene where Arthur has a fantasy where everyone blames him for breaking the present. That hit hard right there. It's supposed to be over the top, but that, if that isn't a damn good explanation of how anxiety works, I don't know what to tell you guys. A little close to home there, Arthur. (laughs) Also, I fucking love how Binky just randomly shows up for no reason. He's like, doofus! Binky, you're not supposed to be a part of this fantasy sequence. And he's like, oh, right. Try my peach cobbler? Get the fuck out of here, (laughs) Binky! (laughs) I fucking love that sequence. (laughs) Then the special ends there. No, I'm kidding, I'm kidding. (laughs) Roll credits. (laughs) Yay! I guess I got what I deserved! Then it cuts to basically Arthur trying to explain to his mother what happened and Uncle Fred's Oh, before that, we should probably mention DW being uh, a little shit for uh, usual. God, that fucking sequence where she finally opens the present and she's like, I know what this is! And then she fucking opens it and... I love that the parents just share a look at each other that is just pure fear. They know what's fucking coming. They couldn't have just said something like, um, so Santa says he has Tina the talking tabby, and he says he'll be getting you her at the end of next month. Or something (laughs) like that, after they restock or some shit. (sighs) But instead, she gets something else and she throws a shit fit. That little demon. you motherfucker... And she acts like her life is literally fucking ending. Santa, how could you? Here is a story. So, when I was a kid, and I wrote, put my Christmas list down, and, you know, I believed in Santa, I also would not get exactly everything I wanted on my list, and I would get extras that I never even put on my list, and you know what I did? I fucking dealt with it. <laughs> I was like, ah, whatever. I was just kind of like, ah, whatever, maybe for my birthday. <laughs> Yeah, it's like, uh, it's like, in fact, Tina the Talking Tabby will likely be on discount by the time that her birthday rolls around. (laughs) Or she'll probably get recalled or some shit in like five months. (laughs) Or she'll forget about it for the next big thing, which is pretty much what I did with all my, oh, well, maybe on my birthday once. (laughs) Tina the Talking Tabby starts randomly showing up in YouTube videos. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, also, if there was something I really wanted, my parents would... Shocker. Shop ahead of time and not last minute. Gasp! Hooray! What a concept! So instead, DW gets this weird talking duck? It's basically Donald Duck, but with a not weird voice. And, and like... yellow skin. Or fur. Yeah. <laughs> 
It was actually pretty cute, but there was something kind of weird to me about the fact that it had like realistic hands. Like I, and you could see it briefly moving while even when DW didn't press the button, I was just like, oh God, that thing's alive. I really <laughs> wish that thing was possessed by Brad Dourif. It, it would make everything so much better. And so then it cuts to Muffy going to Francine's house. And then for some reason, Mr. Crosswire gives them a ham. And I'm just like, um, is anyone going to tell them? Oh, Jesus Christ. He did that on purpose. <laughs> Good grief, dude. This is why these people shouldn't be your friends. I'm just saying Mr. Frenchkey should have taken that ham and just clubbed him with it. I'm just saying. <laughs> Fucking clock him on the head. <laughs> yeah. just, just fucking break his nose with it. I'd bail him out. <laughs> Worth it. Mr. Crosswire reminds me of that dude who put like pig heads across his like freaking driveway and was like, no Muslims are gonna enter my neighborhood. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, uh, uh, let's let's be honest. He definitely voted for Trump in that universe. Oh yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> Not only that, he's probably on the flight logs. There's also a really good scene where Francine explains the meaning behind the uh, menorah that she has, and that somehow gets through Muffy's brain. She finally is just like, oh, wow, other holidays exist that aren't Christmas. It's like... Or aren't, you know, part of black culture that I can repackage into something that white people can digest. <laughs> <laughs> I will admit, it's hard for me to say, you know, as a Catholic dude, my thoughts on the Jewish experience, but I think it was a pretty solid explanation. I like that they also talk of it more of as an experience rather than just a lesson step by step. It's like they actually teach how Hanukkah can make you feel, how it makes you feel important. It makes you feel a part of something. I especially really like how this isn't the only thing that tackles on Francine being Jewish. There's also an episode where she attends a bar mitzvah and that that's central to the plot and then there's also the episode where she has to fast for the day and so then she's trying to deal with that that was really fun and i really like that they by the way if you've ever seen that one meme going around where her grandmother's like there's a mushroom on your shirt and then francine's like oh i'm a failure like how that that clip went around contextless and we all loved it that is from the episode where francine has to fast for a day <laughs> Yes. <laughs> oh my so God. I completely ruined the joke by giving context. Yeah, <laughs> it's still a great joke. So, <laughs> aw, I'm a failure. No, I'm a failure. <laughs> anxiety be like, <laughs> anxiety be like, there's a mushroom on your shirt. Aw, I'm a failure. God, this this show, this show is just prepping us for our future, man. I'm just saying. No wonder Absolutely. we're the way we are now. <laughs> then Francine's family is just, dad is just like, you know, there's one thing we do while Christians are celebrating Christmas. Go to the movies! And then there's a sequence at the end where that shows them all the seeing a movie together. And I caught a screen cap of the board that showed all the movies that were playing. Let me read them to you. Oh boy. <laughs> so there's Quest for Mammoth. Jaws 12. Shark still looks fake. Closer to Back to the Future 2 in this show than we think. Nadja and Dracula. Miniature Giant. Bionic Bunny the movie. 5,000 explosions in a supernova. Slobbering idiots. Kickball kids. Field trip to Egypt. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, I kind of want to see all of yes. these. I want to know what these are. Oh my God. <laughs> 
<laughs> I love how there's how Bionic Bunny the movie has been playing for like five years at this point, if you like. <laughs> I like to think of it as the Mask of the Phantasm <laughs> of the Arthur universe. <laughs> yes. <laughs> you know, on a side note, so Dark Bunny is basically Batman and then Bionic Bunny is basically Superman. Does that mean there's a Zack Snyder in this universe who made a Bionic Bunny versus Dark Bunny? Oh, yes. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> Tell me something, Bionic Bunny. Do you bleed? <laughs> and then they probably also have, like, a fucking Justice League in this universe. <laughs> On another side note, it'd be also funny if there was, like, an episode where Buster couldn't go see the Bionic Bunny movie as a punishment, and then he can only see it when he's, like, in his 40s. <laughs> it's like, I did it for you, son. <laughs> Hey, Arthur, what'd you think of that movie? Oh, it was okay. I'll be honest. It was the greatest thing I've ever seen in my life! <laughs> so then it cuts to Arthur finally having Christmas dinner with his family, and then he, shocker of shock, he actually loved the dinner they had. Yes. <laughs> Gee, it's almost like you were going to get a good dinner either way, you little shit. <laughs> I just realized, going back to the camel part, um... I'm actually on the Arthur wiki, and I'm looking at the errors section of uh, this. When Arthur was imagining his family in the stable, Grandpa Dave offered roasted camel. However, camel is not considered kosher in Judaism. <laughs> <laughs> so, Gee, I hope someone got fired for that blunder. Yeah. So then it cuts to how Fred is going back home, and then he's telling Arthur how, yeah, that teep set was actually from him, but he decided to make it look like Arthur gave it, so then this way, you know, it was kind of funny to me, it was a really sweet sequence, but at the same time, I was kind of wondering if Jane was just gonna be like, wait, how could my kid afford, like, a really expensive tea set? You know what, whatever. Maybe she was in on it, but she just wanted to be nice. <laughs> yeah, it's fair. She can tell Arthur he's a failure another time. Wait till there's a mushroom on his shirt. <laughs> <laughs> there's always a mushroom on my shirt, Randy. Isn't there a mushroom on all of our shirts? <laughs> <laughs> also, quick note, Rory ends up getting a rubber ball that just swallows whole, and I'm just like, how is he not choking to death on that? <laughs> Dogs are weird. Dogs are really weird. Sometimes I look at Kipper play with things that he's not supposed to have, and I'm like, how are you not choking on that? <laughs> and so then it cuts to a final song sequence where Arthur's singing about how he wonders what everybody's doing in Elwood City. And then it cuts to everybody's Christmas, the aforementioned movie theater scene, and then Buster and his mom are sitting on top of a tower and trying to spot UFOs. Cuts to um, Brain setting up for Kwanzaa, and then George and his family celebrating St. Lucia Day, the aforementioned cookie scene. And then, then at the end it ends with DW loving quackers and now annoying the shit out of Arthur. The end. <laughs> and don't oh, forget, God. Arthur gets his wish. Let it snow. Let it snow. Let it snow. Plot twist, it's a prequel to the Blizzard episode and then they all get snowed in forever. The end. I spend my entire life in New England and snow here gets intolerable. It's either that weird, gross, yucky street slush you get in your shoes or it's way too much and you have to shovel it and you still have to go to work i'm so fucking terrified about driving in snow i'm fine driving in snow if there's visibility but uh if there's not then i'm like yeah no not happening i actually 
got caught in one. Um, I think Sunday I was going to get food. But right before it got bad, it was just kind of casually raining. And I got my food. I actually got distracted at GameStop. I bought a Meowth. I got my food. <laughs> and I go back to the car and... Oh my god, it's like this weird rain, snow, hail thing going on. Visibility is like next to nothing, and the only reason I get home is because I pretty much have the roads memorized from my house to that food place. And it was like a five minute drive, so I lucked out. <laughs> and I'm so fucking terrified that if I even slightly tilt the wheel wrong, I'm just gonna fucking skid on the road. <laughs> Always drive after it snows, not during. Yeah. <laughs> but sometimes you have no choice and, uh, oh god. One time I was in the car with my mom a while ago, and luckily we were at an empty parking lot, but she went into a spin in the snow. Oh, shit. Oh, no. Yeah. <laughs> Play it safe, kids. Don't live with their snow. <laughs> All right, it's time for the ever-eternal question. Do we keep the tape or erase every copy? Keep the tapes, definitely. Definitely keep, yeah. yes. This is a very wholesome Christmas special, especially since it's not afraid to dabble into other specific holidays without bashing you over the head or being condescending about it. And plus, the songs are great. Everything about this special is just so, so nice. I love it. Definitely keep the tapes. It really is. It's it's a hard keep the tapes for me. It's hard to think of any other Christmas special, at least on PBS Kids Like It, where it's about problems that kids would actually have. There's no bullshit, we gotta save Christmas, we gotta save Santa bullshit. It's instead actual things that people would go around on the holidays, especially for people of different cultures, too. It's really wonderful, and... I can't recommend it enough, but then again, I can't recommend the whole show enough, so. Well, well said, Kitty. Definitely keep the tapes for me. I have a lot of nostalgia and fun, you know. I still love Arthur and everything. This was such a nice little Christmas special. Even as much as I can't stand a few of the characters, it's it's still great. <laughs> I still like it. And at least the point with them is you're kind of supposed to not be able to stand them. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and plus I feel like it makes them more realistic, too. They actually feel like characters. They never feel like just boring staples like in Barney where they just have to be the boring, we're all so nice and perfect and wholesome kids all the time who just have to learn yeah, stuff. I mean, they do learn things, but they still have flaws as characters. And that's kind of what makes them grow. All right, and do we want to get to plugs? Absolutely. So as always, you can find me on Twitter at TylerFG, Instagram at TylerFG96. Uh, you can find us on Twitter at channel underscore KRT, Instagram on channel KRT podcast, all one word. We also have our Facebook page, our Discord server, which you can message us for the link. We'll happily give it to you. And... Yeah, that's, that's about it, Kitty. I am over at Mission Breakout on Twitter. I'm over on A Walking Pun on Instagram. All the aforementioned links for Channel KRT. You can also find me crying in the corner, drink downing a whole thing of eggnog. <laughs> you can find me over at Cosmic Rewind on Twitter. You can find me on No Context Harley Quinn and No Context TGIF. And you can also find me probably freezing to death in a pile of weird street snow slush. Huzzah! How's that dumpster going? Oh, yeah, I, I thought I told you I died, like, a week ago. Oh, yeah, yeah, that's right. That's why you're translucent. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, sadly, I did pass away, but, like, it's kind of fine. I was getting a little- it was getting a little chilly out. 
So spiritual omnipresence is kind of a great way to keep warm. <laughs> All right, which Christmas spirit are you going to play? Are you Christmas past, Christmas present? Or... Actually, you know what? You're totally Christmas future. <laughs> yes. Yes, I am. No, actually, technically, his badass, cool goth name that he actually has is Christmas Yet to Come. Yes. <laughs> and thus <laughs> ends part two of our Christmas hullabaloo spectacular thingy. What will what will we do to end this said spectacular hullabaloo thingy? Well, you'll just have to find out. So with that all in mind, Randy, do the honors. Channel KRT, cut to static.